All righty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Collective. I'm your host, Chris Perry, with your co-host, Mike White. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good, Chris. Just getting ready for the week ahead. A lot of check-ins today. How are you doing? I, dude, I am living the dream, let me tell you. <laughs> and I also am getting ready for the week ahead. I, um, I'm super excited. I ordered an office chair that you recommended, and I got a work phone coming in on Tuesday. So I feel like I'm just going to be the most productive boy this week. I'm very excited for it. I just ordered a, uh, an ice bath for my house. So I'm excited yeah. for that. I, I started cold tubbing, um, mm -hmm. and that was good, but I can only get up to my waist. So I'm going full, full like Wim Hof and I'm getting an ice tub that goes up to like my throat. So I'm excited <laughs> yeah. for that. That is, that's my biggest issue, man. Like I listen, dude, I love like Epsom salt baths. I love ice baths, but I'm larger. And so oh. I can only fit either the bottom half of me or the top half of me into any tub at any given point. And oh. so it's just like, it's not fun at that point, especially an ice bath, like just doing lower half and then having to commit to the upper half. Not yeah. While, while your lower half is in is air drying, which is freezing <laughs> yeah. water on it. It's fucking awful. So, so I'm, just, I'm hoping it's going to be a way that I start my morning. So I'm going to keep it outside on my back porch and just jump in there in the mornings. Hell yeah. You gotta do. You gotta. You know that if you don't record it every day, it doesn't work, right? Right. Yeah. I need to. <laughs> I'm actually going to start making a series of Instagram posts about how I'm better than everyone just because I jump in an ice bath for two minutes. Yeah. And and if the earlier you get up, the better. Actually. Yeah. I'm, I actually think what I'm going to do is record myself doing it at night. Um, and then I'm going to post it the next day, you know, at 10 AM, but I'm going to say that it was like three 45 AM and I'm already on my rise and grind. Oh yeah. Because 4 AM used to be the hardcore time to wake up. Now it's three 45. So all you four yeah. clockers, fuck you. Yeah. I, I'll never let anyone know that I wake up at seven 30 or, I'll, or <laughs> I, eight o'clock. I wake up at eight for sure. <laughs> yeah. How, however, can you be productive if you're not getting up, um, you know, before the chickens? Oh yeah, dude. I, I think it's the silliest notion. I, I hate that about our society. I've learned for me, like I'm high functioning chaotic when it comes to my work load and how I approach it. So like I wake up when I'm supposed to, like when my brain tells me to, which is usually around 8am, I start working at 10 and then I work in spurts until about 10 or 11 PM. And then I go to bed and yeah. I'm successful with that. So I hate the idea that you have to get up at five. I mean, granted, like the days I do get up at five have hell. I just get done with my day sooner, but then I go to bed yeah. sooner. So it's the same, same amount of work, just different at just a different duration of, or not duration, but a different start and end time. That's all it is. Yeah. The, the only time that, um, I was consistently getting up that early was when, I was working in collegiate strength and conditioning. I was getting up at like four ish AM usually to be somewhere, either a little bit before five or at five. Um, and now that I don't have to force myself to that. And I mean, you know, this you kind of, when you work from home and you make your own schedule, you can kind of wake up and you do work whenever the, the hell you want, um, which is good and bad, but I still do have to set an alarm for eight. Um, I still have like the sleep schedule of, 14 year old Mike where I want to stay up till 2 AM <laughs> and sleep until one in the afternoon. Um, so I need to have an alarm clock and it doesn't help if any of you guys have a CPAP, don't get into this, this habit. Uh, 
I used to just let the light come into my room and that's what be what woke me up. But now I pull my comforter over my head. Uh, and because I have the CPAP, it functions like a, a scuba tube. Well, I don't suffocate under there. I get a fresh supply of temperature and humidity controlled air. Uh, so I can sleep in like a dark chamber essentially, which is great for sleep quality. Uh, mm. not so great when you wake up at 11 AM and you have 86 text messages and emails and calls that you missed because you're a bum. I, I love, I mean, you just sold me on getting a CPAP truthfully, <laughs> um, which is something I need to get anyways. It's, it's been on my, my to-do list for quite some time. I just like the great and awful thing about my apartment is my bedroom, like the door or the wall closest to my bed is an entire sliding glass door. Like the entire wall is, a, is glass basically. And it's got those uh, shitty blinds on it. So that yeah, like the renters blinds. Yeah, they let in so much light, it's not even funny. So now my sleep uh -huh. schedule just revolves around literally when the sun rises and the sun sets, which yeah. I guess is like a good thing. That's, but also, it's not like, a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But I'm also like kind of the same way. Like I, I, I paid my dues, I feel like, in having to get up early, like when I was in college and then when I was a project manager, because I, I got up at 3.30 because I'm harder than all of you. Um, <laughs> I got up at 3.30 to start my day because... I worked on the road as a project manager and my primary territory was like it, for one company, it was Kentucky. And then for my other company I moved to was Alabama and I live in Nashville. So I was starting my day with a three hour drive and I have to be at a oh, job God. site at 6am. So I'd start at three 30, drive up there or whatever. And I'd get home at like nine or 10 and go to bed. So now it's like, eh, I don't really have to do that. So I'm not going to, I've just accepted that. Like, okay, Chris, really for me, it's the later I get up, it's just harder for me to get my food in. That's, like my work is going to get done. Food tends to be the thing that's expensed at that point. Yeah. I, and I don't know about you. For me, uh, the, the issue I run into is because I don't have necessarily an office to clock into. I don't make an hourly wage or, or anything like that. I run into the issue where I'll look at my inbox. I'm like, uh, you know, I'll do it in like 30 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. And then three hours goes by i've just been playing with my dog uh and like laying on the couch browsing through reddit and i'm like well shit now it's four o'clock and i haven't done anything yet for the day um so that kind of bites me in the ass yeah, i struggle with the same thing because i am I, well i'm weird in general but I'm, I'm truthfully still trying to find a flow in life um for those who don't know i'm 76 days sober from a lot of dumb shit and so with that, I'm still trying to like relearn habits and how to do things the right way, which is so silly to me. But I also have the issue where I don't even have an office space. I live in a one bedroom yeah. apartment. So my like office desk is in my living room. And so I've tried to set it up to be as, as productive as I possibly can. But um, I'm also like slightly OCD when it comes to being clean in my apartment. And so if I get up and there's a like, messes or little things i'll just start cleaning and that's kind of how i disassociate and then i'll just spend like four and a half hours cleaning my apartment and then i'm like what the fuck am i doing right now but i can't start working until i know that the floor is mopped right yeah, yeah and yeah. and then but i do the same thing where i'll like look at the phone like right now it's 10 48 right for me yeah. how my brain would work is goes okay start work at 11 
yep. I wouldn't yep. start work at 11. And I'll be like, okay, start at 1130. And then I wouldn't. Because I also know that like though I can procrastinate, I will still get all of my work done. But I'm also going to put this weird, unnecessary level of pressure and stress on me that I didn't start working at 11 for whatever stupid reason. But it all it, it, it all still gets done. It's just in a very chaotic fashion. Yeah. So one of the things, um, I mean, for those of you who do not know, it's probably something that we'll talk about in later episodes. Chris and I both had our, our fair share of struggles with mental health. One of the things that I've been working through recently is some issues with my anxiety and something that I've been doing to help because if you guys are anything like me or like Chris, you probably have a pretty busy schedule where you have a lot of stuff that you need to get done during the day. Um, and if you're an online coach or you, you know, do work from home where you don't necessarily have a, a regular nine to five, you just have to get work done in a 24 hour period. Something that I've done that I've had a lot of success with that has been one helping me with my workflow, but as well as with managing stressors and therefore making my anxiety a little bit better. Um, I have everything on my Google calendar, even down to like when I walk my dog um, mm. and when I eat my meals. And as soon as I get off the call here with, with Chris um, and I have to respond to clients and do some check-ins, I have a couple things I need to write up. My phone goes into one of those lock boxes. Uh, you guys can buy them on Amazon or I'm sure you can get them elsewhere um, where you can set a timer on it and you drop your phone into it. And you can't get your phone out unless you smash the box open. The box costs like 80 bucks, so you'd have to eat $80 every time you wanted to get your phone. Um, but one, that gets me away from that like mindless doom scrolling that I do. And it helps me stick to my schedule a lot better. Uh, so you kind of have this two-for-one benefit. We're not doing that mindless scrolling, and I don't have to regurgitate any of the information. You guys all know that, that stuff is like, terrible for you. We all know it's bad for us, but we all still do it anyway. Um, and it helps me get my work done because now I'm not halfway through a check-in and deciding I need to give myself a break. And I scroll through TikTok for 45 minutes watching like, you know, DIY, how to make bird feeders out of cardboard boxes and like this dumb stuff that I'll, I'll never <laughs> use, but I find entertaining. Uh, and I actually get my work done. So then at night, I can actually relax instead of feeling like I need to be on my computer till 2 a.m. And it's been, uh, it's been paying some large dividends here for me. So I suggest you guys give yeah. that a try if you struggle with a similar thing. Yeah, I'm. that's part of why I just went ahead and invested in a second phone line was to yeah. try to kind of like separate things because my phone is my biggest issue in life currently as I work with 40 athletes and employees and all these other projects that I'm trying to kind of like all – make happen all at the exact same time in this perfect timeline that I've created in my rational brain. <laughs> and so I'm trying to like continue to do all these things on top of coaching people, which of course I love. And then on top of social media and everything else, it's just like, there's too much going on. Like I wake up and I have 70 notifications to start my day. If yep. I go train and I don't, and I check my phone, I will have 50 notifications by the time, I'm, by the time I'm done training. So part of why I'm, doing a similar thing, but I know I'd probably break the fucking box is get a work phone, get a work phone and I'm just going to separate those things and just basically have social media nonsense and personal relationships on one phone. And then I'm going to have everything else on the other phone. And hopefully that, that can try to create some more balance in a sense for this. 
but I, I, I do struggle with very much the same thing where I just like, I also feel obligated to work at all times, all days, no matter what, yeah. like I'm, yeah. I'm hoping to like, I can set up this week to where I can actually take this upcoming Sunday off of everything. That is my only goal right now. That'd be sweet. Yeah. I feel that I think with the, the kind of business we work in, you want to get to everyone pretty quick. Um, even though it's, it's not an expectation that clients have on us. It's a, probably an expectation we set on ourselves where, you know, I, a lot of people have you know, different ways that they do their coaching. So some people are through WhatsApp, some are through email, some people like me, you have your own app with a messaging system in it. If I get a notification from my app, I drop everything I'm doing to answer it, which is mm -hmm. not a good habit to have. Um, and it's not an expectation that my clients have on me. Like anytime that I have uh, needed an extra day to get back to check-ins or to respond to messages, no one has ever given me flack about that. Um, but it's this weird expectation that we set on ourselves where, oh, someone sent me a message. I need to get back to them within the next like two hours, which is like a ridiculous standard to have to yourself. And it's not something that either one of us can adhere to for a while. So something that I've done um, is my Friday and Saturday check-in folks. I say, I'll get to you on Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. And every, I say like the day you check in, it's the next day you get something back. So if you check in on Sunday, you get a response from me Monday. So it's this bit of a staggering for me uh, because today when I go through my check-ins, you know, it's Sunday as we're recording this, I'll go through all my Friday and Saturday folks. And then once I start seeing check-ins from Sunday, I know that's when I can stop. And then yep. same thing with tomorrow. Once I'm going through my Sunday check-ins, once I see my Monday check-in crew, then I know I can, I can stop. Um, not that I always do, because if I'm making good time and I can get ahead for the next day, but if I'm feeling overwhelmed or I have other projects yep. to do, it's good to have that kind of boundary with, with myself so that way I can actually stop. Yeah. I, I, and that's something that I'm, I'm working heavily on myself is, is learning to set these boundaries because the people pleaser in me doesn't want any of my people to feel like they're being neglected or, or whatever it may be. But ultimately like in this game, especially like you and I both, and especially me right now trying to obviously battle some mental health stuff. Like I've also learned that basically the bandwidth that I can give to a given day without burning myself out. And I'm always like right on the edge and I'm trying to learn to try to redact a little bit because for the sake of longevity in this, that's what it's going to require. Um, but I think that's a good way to transition into our topics today, which part of it is boundaries yeah. and expectations. Uh, Mike, what yeah. are we talking about today? Yeah. So I, I, Chris and I last week were kind of brainstorming some topics for the podcast as well. If you guys have any ideas for something you'd like to hear us talk about, we are always uh, free and willing to chat about what you guys think is important for you. It doesn't have to just be bodybuilding. It can be whatever you guys want to know about us or get our opinions on. Um, but Chris and I wanted to talk about relationships and bodybuilding and not just romantic relationships with your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, but also personal relationships with your friends and family, as well as professional ones for people that still have some kind of nine to five or professional obligations where they aren't in the position like Chris and I are fortunate enough to be in where you can uh, tell your clients, Hey, I'm in peak week right now. If I'm a little slow to get back to you, it's, I'm just feeling pretty drained. Um, cause 
Bodybuilding is a selfish sport. We all know that. It's a sport where you have to prioritize yourself. And sometimes um, that can really affect how other people see you and it can affect the relationships you have with other people. And there's just some ways that we can kind of navigate being a bodybuilder while still maintaining some, some good uh, personal, uh, romantic and professional relationships. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think, and kind of breaking that down to, you know, especially as, you know, we've both worked normal jobs and we've both tried, you know, we've, we both walked this walk for, for plenty of time. And I think the, the thing that I've had to learn throughout this whole process is like a lot of what the, the, the downfalls, the, you know, I guess obstacles that we run into in professional, personal relationships, whatever it may be, is just setting realistic expectations and communicating, right? That's all it really comes down to. Um, I think from like, you want to go into, which one do you want to go into first? Personal, professional, um, which you want to do first? I want to start with romantic, because I feel yeah, like that's kind of where people have the biggest issues. Yeah, yeah. So I think, and I think it's ultimately like usually what most people focus on when you say bodybuilding relationships, we always think romantic first. Um, yeah. Bodybuilding is a selfish sport. We all know that. But it doesn't always have to be as selfish as some of us make it, in my I opinion. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes down to managing expectations and actively communicating about it because some people who are competitors will date non-competitors and some people date competitors. And you would think if you're dating a competitor as you are one too, that things are easier, but that's never very rarely is that the case in my experience in this. Yeah. Um, and it's managing those expectations and setting balance, right? Because ultimately, you know, you are putting yourself first as far as a day-to-day -day schedule goes at all times. So how do you make your partner feel included and a part of what you're doing and make sure that they're also taken care of? Because ultimately you, that the, a relationship is not in most cases going to just be self-sufficient and passive. Like there's efforts that are going to have to be made every single day to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, so like the, the example that I always use is like, if we're in prep, like let's go with the most extreme example. Let's say yeah. I'm in prep, I'm dating somebody, they're not in prep or I'm dating somebody, they're a non-competitor and I'm in prep, how am I going to make them feel as if they are still valued and important in this relationship and that we are still doing things together when I am eating 20 grams of carbs a day and I'm doing two hours of cardio a day, right? How, how are we going to do that and still allow myself to be successful in prep, right? How, how are we going to make this conducive for one another? Yeah. I think obviously like, I think people forget that you can go on dates that don't involve food. Right. right. Like I've, I've done that before. It's like, okay, we're going to go to the movies. We're going to watch a movie. I'm going to get a diet soda. I'm probably going to show up lethally stoned. I'm going to pass out in the movie, but I'm going to try to stay awake for as long as I can. Right. You know, like that is a, you can go to the park as lame as that might sound and get your no, steps. It's not lame. It's, like, it's that, not that lame, kind of but stuff. it's like, it, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's yeah. not as glamorous, but it's still well, doing actively doing something together. Right. Right. And I, I think like, I mean, not to like get too into the weeds here, but I do think we have some like sensationalized ideas of what quality time with your partner might look like. Um, it doesn't always have to be these like extravagant dinners or, you know, trips to, to bars or things like that. 
Um, I've found some of the, the best, you know, dates that I've had or times that I've spent with a significant other have been mostly the most basic stuff. So grabbing a, a cup of coffee or, um, taking my dog for like a, a long walk, something like that. You know, it's more about the quality time that you spend with the person. And to me, it's less about what you're actually doing. So you don't mm -hmm. have to feel obligated to like go to some restaurant with your girlfriend and sit there and you have to suffer while you have, you know, water, um, and a diet Coke. And if mm -hmm. you can do that and it doesn't bug you and your girlfriend's fine eating in front of you while you're not eating, totally like go for it. Um, but I think you carving the time out of your schedule to spend time with your significant other is what matters the most. And if they are an understanding partner, they get that this is just a season of your life. You know, prep is whatever for you. It might be 12, 16, 20 weeks or so. We have to be pretty strict. Um, you can still spend time with like what you talked about, watching a movie together, going for a walk, going for coffee. Even if it's just the time where you put your phones down and you're just more present with one another mm -hmm. or even like, you know, maybe decide both of you get a book, you read the book, like whatever, 50 pages a week. And you guys chat about it for an hour. I'm sure you're going to end up bullshitting for longer than that. And then that kind of turns into like a date night ritual. And I think it's all just about still making your, your partner feel valued by spending time with them. Um, and like, I, I understand a bodybuilding prep is hard. It's not so hard that you need to totally neglect your partner. Um, yeah. Also, you can still do some of your own chores. It's very nice when people pick up the slack. But don't turn into like a lazy slob because of prep and say you can't do laundry or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Okay, so here's the thing. Like bodybuilding is, is cool. And, it, and granted, I'll have to go into that, my relationship with bodybuilding in the future. But like bodybuilding overall is like it's cool or whatever. But ultimately, like we are actively choosing to do it, right? So you cannot be a victim in this. Yes, prep fucking right. sucks. I've been through it many times. It fucking sucks the same every single time. But that doesn't mean that prep can allow you to be a piece of shit. That's, that's right. not what bodybuilding is meant to be. Like, you don't get to be a piece of shit because you are choosing self-mutilation. That is not, right. you are not righteous in choosing to do this. You are not <laughs> above anybody for choosing to do this. You are simply choosing to do s fake work, to self-mutilate, to step on stage to be judged by your peers. That is your choosing and your doing. It's nobody else's fault. It is yours. And when I yeah. choose to do it, I have to remind myself of that. I don't get to be hateful because I'm hungry and tired. I can literally leave whenever I want. That's how I describe prep. Prep is a prison cell, but your door is open. You can leave whenever you want, but you're choosing not to. So actively choose not to be a fucking shit bag, right? Yeah. Like, I, I really think the easiest way to solve a lot of problems or potential problems in, in a relationship in this case is you sit down when prep starts, and especially if you're with somebody who doesn't understand competing, you explain the ins and outs, be brutally honest about what things are going to happen, right? Like mm -hmm. if I were – like I know some guys who struggle like as you get closer to show with like – their sex drive leaving. You should probably right. let a girl know that up front that, hey, at four weeks out, I might not be as sexually active as I once was because that can hurt somebody's feelings if they feel undesired. So talk yeah. to them about that. Explain yeah. to them those things and then sit down and also 
say, okay, here are my expectations of you. This is what I need from you, and this is what you need from me. We're going to write this down, and we're going to stick stick to it, right? Like, again, Mm -hmm. okay, Thursdays are laundry. Cool, you're doing laundry on Thursdays. I'll do it on Tuesdays. Boom, right? Just what seems like very rudimentary is just like it is that simple to literally just break it down like that, you know? Yeah, and I think something you did touch on, you know, you mentioned there's uh, some some people that date competitors, some that date non-competitors. I don't necessarily think one is better. I think no. what you need to have, though, is some, like, common ground. Um, so having some support where, you know, like, uh, I've dated a g- girls before who don't compete and that's totally fine with me that's not something that bugs me at all it's not something Mm -hmm. i necessarily look for in a partner but everyone that i've you know dated they get it right they've never complained that i'm having to eat meals or you spend time in the gym or anything like that um but granted that not everyone is like that. So you need to find someone that's going to be understanding of, of your goals. Um, even if they don't have the same ones, I would actually go as far to say it might be better, um, to not date a competitor. If you're someone Mm -hmm. that's a competitor, uh, I just feel like having two people in the same house going through prep at the same time would kind of be nightmarish. There's definitely some people that make it work. I'm not knocking you if you make it work, but it's such a selfish sport that, realistically what what'll end up happening and you know chris and i can talk and make it sound like it'll be rainbows and daisies there's going to be a good stretch of time where your partner is giving more to you than you're able to give to them Mm -hmm. um and that can be really hard if you're both in prep because you both have to be so selfish with your time and your energy that giving that extra bit to your partner might not be something that's within your capacity um so it might, I know there's always like this social media where like, uh, I'm competing in bikini and my boyfriend is competing in classic. Everyone wants to be, you know, the com- competing couple. If that works for you, that's fine. But that's not, not always going to be a, a realistic expectation to have. I, I would say don't truthfully, like in most yeah. cases, unless you were like a seasoned competitor and your relationship has like a very solid foundation right. that's been established. Don't do that. Like yeah. I've tried to do that too in the past, been like, oh, we'll prep together. It'll be sick. Didn't work. Didn't last. Right. Yeah. But because ultimately like prep is a very, it's a very strenuous task in all, in all fronts of life. Right. And then you, you, you do literally have to lean on people to get through it. I've learned yeah. as someone who's been through four preps myself, you have to lean on people. And yeah. so you have to have someone in your life who is, understanding and empathetic enough to understand in this tra- this chapter of life you're going to have to slowly become more reliant on them the deeper you get into it but then on the flip end as soon as it's done it is now your turn you got to right. fucking make up for your shit right because yeah. you probably sucked a little bit cuz we all have our moments dude like as as much as I hate to say it like I haven't always been the easiest to get along with when I've been in prep like you put me on enough Novladex, I'm going to be a, a, not nice. I'm going to be very just emotionally gone. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. But at the end of the day, I always tell people this too. Like the stage is always there. Right. Bodybuilding's cool. If your relationship is that important and you can see that your behavior is severing it, uh, re- pull out from the show. Yeah. Right? Or find some other approach. Like you don't, you don't, 
Like just because you announce to your following that you're doing a show does not mean that there's a gun to your head and you have to do the fucking show. Just like nobody's going to fault you for choosing not to. If anything, like I think there's more admiration in saying, hey, I can't do this right now. than yeah. not doing it because you also don't owe it to fucking anybody to do it. Like nobody's right. going to be like, oh, dude, you didn't do that show that you committed to. Like eat dicks. It doesn't matter. It's a show. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And that's something that I wish I did, man. I competed last year, and truthfully, I wish it two weeks out I would have had the courage and to say, hey, this isn't the right show to do for me. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I remember last year, I mean, I pulled the plug on competing three or four days out, and I told you that. Yeah. And you yeah. told me, like, I think that's a good decision. My coach at the time told me it's a good decision. The yeah. people closest to me said the same thing. Like, if you're just – if there's no shame in having to push things back a couple weeks or even another season, like – I'm in a much better spot now for a prep that I'll probably be much happier with the package. I won't be like a psychological mess showing up at the show. Um, and you know, no one gave me flack about not showing up to the show. It's unless you're competing at the Olympia or pro shows or things like that. Like, yes, we put a great deal of stress on our bodybuilding career, but also like, we're probably going to some like local high school and posing on their stage that they mm -hmm. have, you know, choir practice on, unless you're going to like pro qualifiers, things like that. So for you to not do that, it's really not the end of the world. Um, your friends, your family, your coach would rather see you, at least if they're a good coach, uh, psychologically be well, as opposed to like being a, a complete and total mess and then winning your local show. Um, it, it, if you find yourself when you're in prep, you're always having these, this big psychological downfall, or it's always ruining your relationships. Every time you're six weeks out, you break up with the girl that you're dating, or you break up with the guy that you're seeing. Maybe bodybuilding's not for you. And that's okay. That's, that's, that, that tends to be me. <laughs> <laughs> I, granted, like I also haven't made the best decisions in that realm in that front um but i definitely have been one at like I, i've I, two of my preps have have ended in breakups because i'm like i just can't I, i'm not i'm yeah. not healthy right i've also been privy to some of that information i don't think it's just you that's that's fair <laughs> you're aware um, yeah but no i i and it goes back to it, and I'll continue to preach that, though. It's like the stage is always there, and like the, what we're discussing in this episode about these relationships ultimately like matter far more, right? right? As somebody who's lost loved ones in recent years, I've learned that, like, yes, bodybuilding is cool, but like the people in your life should and need to matter far more than just competing on a stage. Because also, like, at the same rate, if we look at it, like, in this perspective, is it worth getting on stage if you have nobody there to support you and celebrate with you? Like what, right. Right. what is that worth? Right. Like, yeah. Well, you got a trophy. Also, are you, gonna, are you really going to burn all your bridges and you know, toss away all these relationships to get a national qualification? Like in, in Q baby in Q. Yeah. And <laughs> queued. Um, and on the same side of, or the opposite side of the same coin, you guys are in the off season. That's when you don't really have a good excuse uh, to to be a, a worse off partner. So when you're when you're in the off season, yeah, this one's going to be a lot a lot quicker. You should be having some free meals if you are massing. Um, if you don't have free meals, talk to your coach about it. I'm sure it's something that they are more than happy to include in your plan. You know, you spend 
whatever, three, four, five months in prep, you can enjoy the other parts of the year once or twice a week having something uh, not part of your meal plan or out, if you guys are a macro person outside of your macros, you can untrack the meal. Just use that as your date night. Uh, don't be like, well, today's free meal. I trained legs. So I'm going to get five guys on my way home, eat by myself while I watch, you know, stand-up comedy on YouTube. In well, your that's, car. Yeah, yeah in that's the parking lot. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, the um, it's like, yeah, that, that's fine to do, but also use that time. Even if it's not like a girlfriend or a boyfriend, go out with your friends. You know, I, I, I always say your free meal is often going to be better enjoyed with loved ones opposed to just like eating by yourself. Yeah. Um, granted, I'm not demonizing eating by yourself, but use that time to kind of be like a normal person, go out and eat with your, fa your friends, your family, your loved ones. Um, and also the same kind of dates that we were talking about earlier are still plenty fine here. Go for a walk, go out for coffee, just spend some time with your partner. Like you might be more uncomfortable because you're massing and you're heavy and like I'm 255 pounds. I can't really do a whole lot. There's yeah. still stuff you can find to do, right? So sure. that's watching a movie, taking your girl out to go see uh, a show. If you're anything like me, you like stand-up comedy. Go bring your girlfriend to a comedy show. That's a good time. It's going to be cheap. It's not bad. What Who's you your favorite stand-up comedian? Or like top three? Um, so probably some bigger names that people would know. Uh, probably number one of, of the big names is uh, Tom Segura. I saw oh, him. <laughs> I saw He's him, was it a year or two ago? I think two years ago. Yeah, no, it was last fall, actually. So fall of 2021. Um it was me and my buddy Brendan went. We sat in the sixth row from the front stage. It was amazing. Um, yeah. Some some other good comics, if you guys are into stand-up comedy, I like uh, David Lucas. He's hilarious. He has a show uh, March, I think, 8th or 9th in Raleigh, North Carolina, that I might drive to. It's only three and a half hours from me. Um, and then also William Montgomery is really, really funny as well. I'm obsessed with Tom Segura. I, him and yeah. Bert Kreischer, I listen to their podcast every week. I yeah. listen to um, you, uh, Your Mom's House as well, which is another one of podcast, their podcasts. Like I love – I've seen all of his stand-ups on Netflix 47 times. Yeah, it's one of those are my go-to. They're, they're like my comfort watches. Yes, 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 yes. Bert, I love – it's just a obviously it's Bert. It's just a different type of comedy. He's, he's a little just, too much for me. Bert's I feel too like much. Tom is just so calculated. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just, he's, he's a lot more dry, which I like for sure. Yeah, Bert's of yeah. uh, the the weird squealing that he does when he laughs. It's just <laughs> I I can't. It makes me cringe, dude. I can't do it. Have you seen the Kool Aid bit where he's just talking about yeah. he drinks like two gallons of Kool Aid? A day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was like me in prep, dude. I was drinking like eight ounces of water, but everything else I was drinking would just be like 98. I think it got to the one point where I was drinking 11, 10 or 11 liters of diet soda every day. Bro. Yeah. Bro. I mean, I use yeah. the, the, the great value Mio squeeze like alternative uh -huh. in all of my water because mm. my, my worst trait as a bodybuilder is I will forget to drink water for the entire day if I, if I so choose. Yeah. Like I will drink my coffee in the morning and if I don't bring my gallon jug and put it directly beside my computer screen, I will forget that I need to drink water until like I'm at the gym and I'm like, why am I not getting a pump right now? 
Like, oh, because yeah. your pee is orange and you're going into renal failure. You dumbass. <laughs> I, um, I drink like a camel, dude. Ask anyone I go out to eat with. I usually order like two or three drinks at once. Awesome. I usually have like, usually it's a water and two Diet Cokes. And I always, two glasses are always empty. That's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, always, I always joke and say I have a drinking problem, but not mm-hmm. in the sense, like I don't drink alcohol. I maybe have like one or two drinks per calendar year. But if I have a beverage in front of me, it's getting slammed. Like there's, I, I suck at sipping on things. The only mm-hmm. thing I have to sip now is I have to sip on my caffeinated drinks. Because if I drink them too fast, I'm going to have a panic attack. Yeah. It's just my heart rate spikes too much. I'm going to start freaking out I, and I start pacing the house. Um, <laughs> everything else just gets like slammed. It's such a weird habit. I... I just, I only slam coffee, dude. And I'm really, and I do the same shit. And every time I'm sitting there like shaking, yeah, staring at sweating. the ceiling. <laughs> I'm like, why am I so anxious? I'm like, cause like, dude, la- yesterday I got a, I got a shaken espresso at Starbucks. That's usually one of my go-tos. I got like five shots cause I was just feeling feral and I uh-huh. chugged it in the parking lot by accident. Cause I just like started scrolling yeah. through my emails and I'm just drinking, not even thinking, right? And I look down and it's empty. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh-huh. And I drive home. I get home and I'm like, why am I sweating right now? And why am I, like, actively trying to figure out what to clean first? You know, yeah. it's it's awful. I mean, I would like, be a wonderful maid, truthfully. That's my look at it. Like, Someone just gives you, like, a 10 milligram of Adderall. You start cleaning the house. Dude, I'll scrub the fucking ceilings <laughs> if you give me Adderall. <laughs> I, I, that stuff is insane. I just can't. I can't take it currently. Um, I've been uh, using kratom though. A lot of yeah. kratom. I've. Uh, I love it. It's helped me a lot. Truthfully, yeah. um, that paired with caffeine. If I do it right, which doesn't always happen, but if I time it right, I will be amazing all day. My well-being will be perfect. But if I do it wrong, which is most cases, I do too much of caffeine or kratom together, then I am feral all day. Yeah. I am doing. 27 tasks at one time. Um, I have a, I have a, a modafinil prescription from my doctor mm-hmm. um, because the, so I, I used to be prescribed Adderall when I was younger and it's just like overstimulating for me. Um, <laughs> and plus like it would just totally nuke my appetite and my sleep. So mm-hmm. I'm prescribed modafinil kind of as an alternative. It's not something I would ever recommend for daily use. It's like once or twice a week, I take like a, a quarter or half a tablet. And that's been my go-to for the, the big work productivity days that I have. Yeah, that's, and that's like, I've done like, dude, I can only do like no, no exaggeration, like two and a half milligrams of Adderall, anything uh, more than that. And it's counterintuitive because then I'm sitting here like counting the carpet fibers in my yeah. room, you know, and <laughs> just like, sweats. It, yeah, it just puts me in the wrong space. Also, like, like because of the cortisol production, I look like dog shit when I take it, which yeah. then I get annoyed about that, like all the fluid retention and inflammation. But um, what we were saying as we just went down a huge rabbit hole uh, yeah, yeah. with with <laughs> off with off season too, right? Like, you, there there is more flexibility. Like at the end of the day, like you can work around things, and I would obviously communicate with your coach. But like, if you have a ground beef and potato meal, you can probably like yeah have a burger yeah you can have a burger you can talk to your coach and figure out how to be successful you can and also like you can cook at home and still make it fit your meal like even more accurately or more precisely but that's the opportunity where it's like a lot of why i give free meals i mean beyond like the 
metabolic adaptation and everything else is like the psychological side of just eating communally, right? Yeah. Like just eating with people is a very important thing for your like psychology and to still feel like you're a part of something because like, I don't, I've been the one to bring meal preps to dinners and stuff and it's fine, but it's still like, even for me, it's still a little bit uncomfortable. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I will do it when I have to, but in the off season, I'm not fucking doing that, man. Cause I also know no. how to, how to make it a conscious decision on a menu to be successful, right? Like yeah. I'll drink a protein shake on the way and then I'll find the best thing on the menu that I think is conducive to my meal, closest meal. And that's what I'll do. And it doesn't negatively affect me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Off season's a time for balance. Off season's is a time to give back to your loved ones. And then just understanding when prep comes, you have a conversation with each of them and say, Hey, I might not be the best and we'll work through it together as best as we can. But it's also on those people to keep you in check. And when they do keep you in check, you can't take it personally. Yeah. Like any yeah. other time in life. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. But that's, I mean, it's the romantic side of things. I think, you know, kind of going into personal with friends, I think that's a big thing because like I've got, I love all of my friends. A lot of them are not involved in fitness whatsoever. They are yeah. successful in their own right. And I think that is the one piece that ties us together is being, you know, hardworking individuals. So there is a level of empathy with that because they understand this is my craft. So yeah. my friends know, like, when I'm in prep, they're not going to ask me to go out with them and go to dinner or go get drinks or anything like that because right. they know that they just need to leave me be. If they want to hang out with me, we go train together. And that's our time where we can catch up and everything else. And then in the off season, that's when I start actually getting invited to things again. And I'm entirely comfortable with that. Like I don't take offense to it. I don't really get FOMO if I'm in prep and my buddies are out doing their thing because I could still go out with them, but I just know it's not going to be like as enjoyable. And I also probably need to sleep or do anything else. So yeah. I think it's the biggest thing is like, if you have friends in your life and I'm going to put an asterisk beside this, when I say it, if you have friends in your life who aren't supportive of what you're doing, they're not your friends. I say that if you're still being a good friend to them, if you're being a shit bag, then this is, they shouldn't be supportive of this. If you're allowing Agreed. this to make Agreed. you a bad person, then you shouldn't be, you should not be, they should not be supportive of that. Oh. But you shouldn't be not, bodybuilding either. Yeah. You shouldn't be bodybuilding. <laughs> if it isn't negatively affecting your friendship and they're not supportive, they're dogging you, whatever else, then they might not be your friends. Right. Because ultimately like bodybuilding is just an, uh, an extremist uh, game of self-improvement. And people should be yeah. understanding of that. Like, yeah, most of my friends don't compete in bodybuilding, but they don't, they love what I do and they're supportive of what I do. And that's yeah. why we remain friends. Yeah. Yeah. On a you know, similar note, like all of my friends train for something, you know, they take your training pretty seriously. They're either competitive bodybuilders, um, they're bodybuilding coaches, or I have a lot of friends here that are competitive powerlifters. So they all totally get it, which is great. You know, um, if I bring meal prep to their house, they don't care. Um, they know that when I'm in prep that I'm not going to be able to do as much stuff with them and no one ever gives me flax. So I've been pretty fortunate for that. Uh, the kind of the thing that I would recommend is finding some kind of common ground with your friends, either whether it's like with Chris with work ethic things or like me, where it's more about your hobbies. Um, that's going to be really important. I mean, not only just for a successful friendship, but for a successful friendship while you're bodybuilding. If you are friends with people who are 
kind of just like don't go to the gym and they don't have these lofty goals outside of um, just, you know, going to their nine to five and hanging out with their buddies on the weekend it might be difficult to, uh, for them to kind of understand you. And not that there's anything wrong with being a guy that just has a normal nine to five. Um, I don't like that. That's recently another thing that's gotten like demonized on social media. Um, but if they're not someone with these, these lofty ambitions or the aren't into training as much, uh, it's going to be a little more difficult to maintain a successful friendship with them. I think they might be people that, yes, you're friendly with them, but I don't know how much of a deeper friendship can truly blossom from um, that kind of arrangement. So having some common ground and some supportive friends, I think, is is really going to be foundational to setting you up for success. And kind of the, the, the last kind of dimension that Chris and I would talk about was, you know, professional relationships, which is something that, um, I'm still kind of navigating. I'm not perfect at this. I don't think Chris and I would say that either of us are perfect at managing any kind of these relationships. Mm -mm. Um, most of what we're talking about is because of our own fuck ups. Um, yep. less because of our successes, but more because of our downfalls and, for me, the professionalism stuff, um, you're gonna feel like shit, but you still have to perform well at work. Um, I am still getting my PhD right now. I have a couple other job duties outside of just my coaching business, um, that aren't related to bodybuilding. No one cares that I'm into bodybuilding. They would have a similar reaction as if I told them, like, my hobby is woodworking or I like to make candles in my garage. They're just like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, me being a bodybuilder doesn't magically erase my responsibilities when I'm eight weeks out. I'm doing two hours of cardio and I'm sleepy and cranky. I still have to get my work done. Um, so make sure that you still kind of have this understanding and this expectation of, yes, I'm tired but I have to still get this done. It's not on your coworkers to pick up your slack. They don't get paid extra because they're working uh, harder than you and picking up work that you didn't get to do. Granted, that's really only gonna affect you in prep. Um, something I do recommend if you are a nine to fiver, take the last week off of work before a show, at mm -hmm. least the last week off. If you can get more than that off, that'd be great. Um, but minimally take that last week off just so you can totally relax. And even though I did just go on this like rant about you still have to do your work, I would still communicate with your team or your management or your coworkers before the facts like, Hey, maybe you're on the 10 week out mark right now. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good still, but in a couple of weeks, like if I'm start, starting to feel sluggish or if you notice that I'm like being forgetful, can you please just remind me of things like, uh, I'm signing up to this bodybuilding show in the last, whatever, four to six weeks can really be tough on me from a cognitive standpoint. So I might not be as sharp. If you feel like you need to keep reminding me of stuff, like, please do. I apologize in advance. Um, and then maybe, uh, you know, if you have a small enough team or you just have like one coworker, take them out to eat afterwards, after your show, kind of repay them. I know I got to um, see firsthand that like, how much prep affected my cognitive mm -hmm. output last semester. I, I tried to prep last spring 
And that was a not great choice for me. I had to take a, um, a 6,000 level endocrinology course and part of it was part of my PhD coursework during peak week. God. Uh, and that was not fun. So, uh, just be cognizant of that kind of stuff and yeah. manage your expectations of yourself. Um, going through that, I realize now that trying to do a show while actively working on my degree is not something that I can do. Um, so that's why I will only prep during the summers. And that's assuming I don't have to do work over the summer for my university. It's like if I get to May this year and my advisor tells me that I'm still able to roll through my dissertation stuff this summer, I may have to put off competing. Um, be okay with that. You know, understand that you can't pay your bills and you can't pay for bodybuilding if you get fired because of bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I am. Um... And I went, so my first prep is probably like the best glaring example of trying to maintain prof a professional relationship with people because one of my many jobs that I've worked, I worked uh, as a diamond broker in a jewelry store. And so I was one of the people, again, this is, I don't know how I got this job, but I did. And I was really good at it. And I would like my job part part of what i did was like looking at literally like grading gemstones and diamonds and also like i was doing some sales floor stuff i was doing bench jeweler stuff like i was repairing watches doing all sorts of things right i, I wore a lot of hats at this jewelry store but i worked with nobody that was my age i was uh 20 years old when i had this job it's like 20 to 21 22 and so there was a huge age gap. I think the youngest, next youngest employee was like 30, but they were predominantly like 45 to 55. So that was already like a big social gap. Um, and none of them were in shape. The majority of them were morbidly obese. Wow. So we were like the jewelry store was right near a mall. So all the restaurants were around. So I had Ooh. to learn balance or not even balance. Just how how tough is that four weeks out when you smell in Panda Express coming down? Bro, and I fucking love Panda Express, dude. <laughs> that walnut chicken or shrimp dude can fuck me up. So, um, but no, I worked with morbidly obese people who would go out to lunch every day and ask me to go to lunch with them. And every yeah. day it was like, are you eating the same meals? And it's like, yeah, I am. Just fucking, it's cool, man. Don't worry about it. You know? And none of them understood bodybuilding. And that's okay. That's not their job to understand it. Right. right. I had to learn patience because every day when I would eat, and fortunately I talked to management previously to even when I got the job, I explained to them, like, I'm a bodybuilder. I do eat more frequently. I will still clock out because I got like an hourly rate and then production commission. Um, but I would, I, I literally asked them, I was like, would it be okay if instead of taking an hour lunch, I took two 30 minute lunches and we just talk about when those can be so that I could just eat two of my meals during it instead of eating and then sitting there for no good reason, like right. in, in the break room, just watching other people eat Panda Express and a bunch of other stuff. And they were cool with that, right? We, we set the expectation of like, I'm going to take two short breaks a day per shift so that I can separate my meals. I will eat them as quickly as I can and then I'll clock back in. And that was fine. And so I had to learn that. And by the end of it, like we talked about, my cognitive function went down tremendously because I did six yep. weeks of no carbs and no fats. Oh, and my God. 
it was really not a good time. And I was taking, um, I was, I was advised to take, I titrated up to 200 micrograms of clin a day, which I didn't know was <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I was taking 40 micrograms with each meal. So wait, you were dosing it consistently throughout the day. It's what I was you're, advised you're, to do. Were you? Okay. I'm not I, surprised. I, We'll, we'll talk more about uh, negligible coaching in the future, um, but that's yeah. just a little teaser of what I went through. Um, but I was taking it all day throughout the day, and it's really hard to work on watches when you have clean shakes. And it's really hard to hold a diamond in a pair of tweezers when you have clean shakes. And I had them all of the time. And so I had to learn to basically just like, I literally just finally had to throw my hands in the air and explain to my boss, like, dude, here's the deal. I'm taking uh, a bronchodilator that makes me shaky. <laughs> and, yeah. And I, and so what we, I literally had to just own it and tell like all of my like coworkers, like, Hey, if I'm doing a presentation, you hold the tweezers. I will talk like, don't, yeah. I was like, do not let me use my hands for any finite function because they will notice that my hands are shaky. And it was a hard conversation. It was embarrassing. You know what I mean? And everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, I don't know at this point. You know what I mean? Um, and especially by the end of it too, like I remember I had a, this woman that I worked with, her name was Teresa. She was like the work grandma. She was like 67 years old and she was love Teresa, bro. Teresa was my hero. She was tough, <laughs> man. She was like grandma to me. And she came up to me and literally grabbed me by the, like by the cheeks with both of her hands. And she's uh, like, honey, you look sick. And I was like, that's, good. <laughs> that's yeah, a yeah, good thing. That's the yeah. best compliment I've gotten in weeks. I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> But I, I had to do the same thing, though. I saved up all my PTO and my sick days, and I took nine days off of work. And then when I came yeah. back, I, like, sat down with everybody, and I apologized for my, you know, lack of absence, even though I was present but mentally absent. Yeah, yeah. The last, yeah. Few, last couple of weeks, and I, like, I bought everybody gift, Starbucks gift cards, and I took them to dinner and, or lunch individually. Like, I tried to pay my dues back as, as, as much as I could, and everybody was fine with that that was okay. But it did like, it was my first prep too. So I'm having to learn this as I'm going, because especially if you've never prepped before, like people don't like, that's the hardest part of me for me as uh, in prep is the losing cognitive function. Dude, your brain goes numb. You just go, you literally become stupid. Yeah. Like that was the hardest part for me. Cause like, uh, I mean, Chris knows this, I take a lot of pride in how well my brain works. Like Mm -hmm. I enjoy the fact that people can lean on me to learn stuff and they ask me to, to help educate them. And then the last few weeks of prep, when I can't do that, I like go into an identity crisis for sure. Like who, who am I for sure? No, I dude, I entirely understand. Like I hate when I, I literally would get to a point, you know, it's this, it's the same chapter of prep when you start dragging your feet, when you're walking, uh, yeah. Your brain is trying to conserve all. You start blinking slower. That's another one yeah. that happens. I, there's always a day in prep where I wake up and I am in pure agony. I feel as if I've been hit by a bus because yeah. the hunger side of things doesn't ever really bother me um, because I've always been pretty good at shutting that off. I basically just gaslight myself into saying I'm not hungry and I move on. Just and I'm also some aglutide now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also I'm also um, busy enough that I, uh, I already can forget to eat right yeah um for me it's just the 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 severe lethargy and the 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 cognitive slowing that kills me because i remember there was one day last prep where like i woke up dude and like 
was physic. I I couldn't even describe the amount of pain my body was just in, like yeah. aching. It felt like I had the flu, right? Yeah. And that was the day where I, I like just had to message my athletes and be like, "Hey, understand." Like I can't get out of I can't even like I was contemplating if pissing myself was a better option than getting up to the <laughs> bathroom, right? And so I'd yeah. explain to my athletes, like, hey, um, I'm gonna be a little bit slower getting back to you, right? I am so sorry. Like, please bear with me. I promise you I'm gonna get through this as best as I can. And it just goes back to communicating and managing expectations. Like ultimately these feelings, physically, mentally, emotionally, are common in prep. People don't talk about them. And there's no shame in feeling the ways that you do, but people can't read your mind. Right. Right. And I, and I think it's just taking ownership and accountability and being like, Hey, listen, I know I'm choosing to do this. This also super duper sucks right now. You're going to have to bear with me for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's why I explained my athletes. I'm like, your plan is still working that I gave you. I'm just not going to be able to update it right this second. I promise it'll still work. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, communication and and expectation management that's for all three of like kind of the dimensions of relationships that we talked mm -hmm. about right the yeah. common ground between personal romantic and professional relationships is kind of just owning your shit and talking about it beforehand like be preventative be prophylactic don't just wait for issues to arise and then try to put them out the same conversation that you'd be having earlier is always going to be easier than having it later after someone's feelings have been hurt. Uh, because not only are you dealing with your, you know, what lack of mental capabilities or anything like that, you're also having to extinguish the fire that you started by hurting someone's feelings. Um, so rather than having one conversation, you got to have two. So yep. kind of, you know, bite things off early. Um, and check in with your coworkers, your friends, your spouse, your whatever, and see how they're feeling. Cause likely they're, they're there to support you and they're okay with what you're doing, but there's a good chance that they also might feel like they need a little something from you. And that's, that's kind of on you to figure out and, um, don't just throw in the towel because you're a little tired, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is all a choice at the end of the right. day. Nobody, nobody's making you step on stage. Yeah. And also though, though bodybuilding is a very time consuming hobby sport, whatever you choose to call it endeavor. Um, yeah, you're eating five meals a day and you're training, but there's still 20 hours left in the day. Right. Right. And you got to sleep for eight of those. So you got 12, you still got 12 yeah. hours of the day that can be actively dedicated to the, those that need it. I mean, yep. obviously including yourself. Right. But you can still like, it's not hard to just go buy coffee for your loved one or, yeah. You, you know, whatever it may be, obviously depending on their love languages. I think that's a lot of yeah. it too, is if you know okay, your well, partners, go ahead, if you know go their ahead, love languages, you. lean into those, right? Yeah. Buy your girl a pair of Jordans, um, buy her, buy her something nice. Uh, another one, fellas, I beg you take your girlfriend, you going with her, get pedicures. Dude, I fucking if, love pedicures. Yeah. If you, if you haven't had a pedicure as a grown man, one just take take one of your boys and go get go get some there's no shame um your your feet just because you're a man they don't need to look like mangled ribeye steaks that have been run over by an 18 wheeler <laughs> go take care of yourself if you if you take your girlfriend to get a, a pedicure she you are going to be lit up in the girls group chat for how great of a guy you are 100 percent 
Dude, my, my thing is like I've grown very fond of manicures and pedicures. I yeah. do I do my nails every yep. week. I do because yep. I don't like to go get a manicure. I get one a month and then I just like keep up with my nails. Yeah, maintain it. Yeah, maintain. And then I I paint my toenails. I've painted my toenails for quite some time. I paint the first four black and my pinky toenail, whatever color I'm feeling like. Right uh-huh. now, I got very impatient, so I only have one of my big toenails painted black as I didn't uh-huh. finish the rest of them. But I'm telling you, getting a pedicure is cathartic, except uh-huh. I do have to tell every nail tech that I go to, if you scrub the heel and arch of my foot, I will kick you directly in the forehead. <laughs> I am so ticklish, dude. I'm like, everywhere else is free game. Do what you need to do, uh-huh. but do not touch the fucking arch of my foot because I'll lose my ever-living mind. But that's yeah. a great idea. I mean, yeah. dude, just like that is that there's no food involved. There's no it's relaxing. Involved. It's relaxing. You get to spend time together. You feel better after like, yeah. like self-care is a very important thing, but you can also share that with a loved one very yeah. easily. Right. Also, and you're, when you're, you're there, there. When, you, when you're there, get the upgrades. If, if it's an extra ten dollars to get the mango scrub over the regular scrub, you get the mango scrub. If if your girlfriend is worried that you know one polish is more than the other, just tell her to get the more expensive one if that's what she wants. It, yeah. it might be an extra 30, 40 bucks, but you're both going to be happier. Your girl's going to feel special. You're going to feel pretty and cleaned. Uh, just go get go get a pedicure. Bring your girlfriend. If you don't have a girlfriend, bring one of your boys or go by yourself. I don't care. It's uh, awesome. Go, go grab a pedicure. Once a month, I have what's called my bad bitch day, and my bad uh-huh. bitch day is when I go get my hair cut. I'm now you only get your haircut more. once a month? No, no, no. So, well, oh, you're growing it out. You're yeah, yeah. So currently, so for those who don't know, I shave my head very often, and it is probably a reflection of my mental health. But I grew grew my hair out last year to the point where I could braid the top of it. It was so long, and I got tired of it, so I shaved my head. And then I decided I wanted a mullet. My hair does grow very fast, so usually I get my hair cut if I'm if I have a fade and I have a buzz cut. I'm getting a haircut like every ten days. Because I do uh, like to be well kept. Right now, that's what I it, do. it bothers me. I'm having to let it go for like three weeks at a time now, right? Yeah. So right now, my bad bitch day, I get my hair cut, I get my fucking mani-pedi, and I do my eyebrows. And that yeah. day, I feel unstoppable. I'm telling right. you, that's another thing as a male. Dude, yeah, get, get an eyebrow. eyebrows down, please. Dude, get an eyebrow blade and learn. Yeah. It's not hard to do. I do it almost every day. Oh, I it's just what I do. do it. When I shave my face, I also just do my eyebrows because I'm already there, and I feel so much better. Yeah, yeah. Self care, fellas. Also, you know, if you if you do have longer hair, get your hair cut more than once a month, please. I'm sorry. Please. I'm, I'm, so not, sorry. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking, I'm talking <laughs> to people out there listening. I get my hair cut every seven to ten days or so. My barber, she does my beard. I don't have to do any of that shit myself. There's no more hair all over my bathroom sink. She does my eyebrows. Uh, Take care of yourselves, fella, and, and, and bring your girl with you. Yeah, it's like, again, it's like looking at all of the things that you can do for a person. Because that's how I look at, especially in the prep scenario, what dates can I do that are the furthest away from being food involved? Because obviously we become more food focused. Yeah. That's a fucking great idea. Like, like, get a spa package. Go get a massage. You and your girl, go get cucumber facial facials, get a hot stone massage. You know, some 700-pound woman named Olga walk across your back. I need to see, dude, you want to know something really awful? I've gotten three deep tissue sessions done in my decade of lifting weights. Yeah? 
And I know that, especially in Smith machine squatting yesterday, I have come to realize I need a lot of work done. Like You're very a badly. wound up meatball? I'm a wound up meatball. Dude. <laughs> I have 245 pounds of knots and tension. It is awful. I had yeah. to like, I had to like low bar, push my hand. I out saw you were like low bar squatting in the Smith machine. I, low, I, like, I love low bar. Here? Dude, I low bar regardless, right? I can't uh-huh. physically like walk out a barbell anymore. But like when I squatted low, when I squatted like for powerlifting, like I squatted low bar. That was like my uh-huh. I, like that was my preference because yeah. of like my limb lengths and everything. So I'm like low bar because if I high bar Smith machine squat, it like hurts my neck because it just puts so uh-huh. much like it's just this weird. One day when we train together, you'll see and it'll make sense. It's this weird uh-huh. like borderline kyphosis that I have. Uh-huh. But I'm low bar. I'm grip as far out as I possibly can. But I'm also doing claw grip. That's like all the things. Grandpa Stan Efferding grip, dude. I'm yeah. I'm literally doing all of the things that I can. Like even doing this right now, I can feel my rotator cuff starting to cramp. Like nice. it is, dude. It's fucking bad, dude. I just don't. I. It's the one thing that I always forget to go do is. And, and I'll be honest with you. If we're if we're sharing our, our secrets, let's do it's it. Because my my back is so fucking hairy right now that I feel guilty for making somebody having to work on me, but nobody's here to shave my back. Yeah. You have to get like a, a foam cannon of Nair for your back. <laughs> Dude, it's so it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Like PEDs gave me one thing. Didn't give me a beard, which is the thing that I wanted. It gave me back hair. Like a lot of it. Thick. Dude. Yeah. So that's part of why I like feel bad. I'm like, I have to wait until I can get someone to like Nair or shave my back. And then I'd be willing to go see a massage therapist because otherwise I just feel feel awful for it. Yeah, they'd be like massaging a Brillo pad. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's like no, it'd be like massaging a fucking sweater right now, dude. It's awful. Yeah. Like, or you know, you I, know the the scrubby side of a sponge. Yeah, it'd be like that. That's what it is. That's what my back looks like right now, and it, it's like within two weeks it grows that fast. It is. Dude, like, wait, 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 wait. Do you have an issue even with loofahs on a stick being able to reach your back? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Me as yeah. well. And I've always, I've always joked, joked around, but it's not a joke. Um, the the first sign that like I'm comfortable with a girl that I'm dating is if she's at my house and I'm like, hey, I'm in the shower. Could you come wash my back? That's that's the first sign <laughs> yeah. that yeah. that you're you're feeling serious with someone. Yeah. Like my back, it, it, like with a loofah, dude. It's like I can like. I, I get can like forty percent. Yeah, I can maneuver, and then but then I have to like go underhand, like behind, yeah. and it's like. But I leave. There's a lot of square footage that's left untouched, yeah. unfortunately. For, for me, it's I, I end up having I go up and over, and then I lean into the wall of my shower, so it jams my elbow further behind. Me. That's a good call. Good, so you, good little. We get mobility in. We get some backwashing in. It's not bad. It's nice, it's nice dude. It's nice. It is. I was making this joke yesterday. It is not it's not advantageous being muscular in the slightest. No. Like especially it looks like, cool, but that's about it. Dude, and it's like it but it's it's not functional. Like I'm two forty five in the mornings right now, so I'm like by the time I get to the gym, I'm like in low two fifties. Dude, I can't actively reach over to grab my seatbelt anymore. You gotta turn. You gotta I gotta turn. <laughs> or I already grab it as I'm getting in with this hand, and then I hand it off to my other hand, then yeah. click it in. Like, we're not yeah. to the point where I'm having to wipe different, and I can still tie my shoes. Oh, I just use good. a bidet. Dude, I have been considering getting a bidet for Get quite one. some Get the tushy. Get the tushy. Yeah. 
Okay. That's the only one worth getting. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Dude, I'll get it. I'll get yeah. it. You'll, you'll never get like a pet cramp again trying to clean yourself up. <sighs> Dude, that's the worst. That is yeah. the worst. You damn near I- fall onto the floor. Oh, yeah. Dude, I've like, I almost try to time my bowel movements away from when I get done training, like push. Because uh, you do you do anything and it just I just cinch up and yeah, I'm like, you oh, lock up yeah just lock up and die it's awful it's a hard life that I'm choosing to live let's go back to that I'm choosing this so yeah it's like halfway complaining but I'm still actively deciding to get bigger and more strong because it's fun it's the duality of all of this yeah so just uh, to wrap things up basically. Communicate with people that you have relationships with that you're seeing frequently, regardless of what that relationship looks like or how intimate it may be. Um, especially when you're in prep about being low energy, you know, have that understanding. If it's someone that you're having a more intimate relationship, whether that's romantic or otherwise, um, try to find some common ground, set some expectations about what the relationship will look like uh, and what they should expect from you over the next coming weeks or slash months. Um, cause you can make it work. Mm-hmm. The prep is not necessarily a reason to throw a relationship away. It's not a reason to be losing friends. It's not a reason to be getting fired from your job. There's plenty of ways to make, make it all work. Yeah. Yeah. Just talk, be use yeah. words. It can be hard, but it can be done. Yeah. Or if you can't use words, write letters, you know, like get, get a bidet, get a bidet and go get a pedicure. Yeah. And on that, take note, care of yourself. Yeah, take care of yourself, right? <laughs> It'll be great. That's what we're here for at the collective. So yes. to wrap things up, we love and appreciate all of you. Thank you to all of the people who shared our first episode and left us a five star review. Um, that's fucking cool. That's why we were doing this. Um, again, please leave us a five star review on this one. Message either of us. Uh, Mike, where can they find you? Yeah, so if you just want to follow me on Instagram, um, I keep telling myself I'm going to get back to posting more frequently. Chris is blowing me into it as well. My Instagram, <laughs> it's at mike.ryan.white. Uh, if you want to email me, that's a, it's a pretty quick way to get to me. It's mike at graymatter.training. Perfect. And then you can find me um, at cp.legs or at team die trying, either of those to reach out to me. Um, let us know. You know, honest feedback, questions, comments, concerns, any topics that you guys want us to talk about, we would love to. Um, Like I said, leave us a five-star review, share with a friend. And uh, until next time, thank you for listening to The Collective. Thank you, guys.